This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hi, everybody. Podcast 775. Every 25 podcasts we do a live, we're back. All Car Questions live podcast. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We've got lots to cover. Bring all your car questions, but we should start with all of our adventures. If you go Mm -hmm. to everydaydriver.com, the adventures tab is full of information. (laughs) It's all very exciting. Yes, very much so. Pilgrimage is happening. Yep. We've got signups already. Yes. Well, because here's the thing you have to know about all our adventures. We want any of you that would like to come to come. It's great. We're doing the Europe one. We're doing Utah. We're doing Rocky Mountain one. They're going to be very cool. Yeah. But we do make those available to patrons first. Anybody can go, but it's available to patrons first. It went live to patrons over the weekend. We have five signups for pilgrimage already. Thank you, guys. We are taking 10 people total. If you're good at math and I am not, <laughs> that means it's half full. We're half full right now, but yes. But we've got five spots left. That is early June. If you go to our adventures tab on everydaydriver.com. You can follow along right there. You can get into all the information for pilgrimage. Again, as always, it's arrive in Frankfurt. We take you to spa. You get a day on spa. You get a road tour day. You get a day on the ring. It's awesome. And then we take you back to Frankfurt. So you just have to get to Frankfurt at either end. Otherwise, it's all inclusive in the middle. <laughs> and I should say one other thing that actually came up this weekend with a, with a sign up. This is a driving trip. This is don't don't bring your spouse unless you're ready to sit yeah, right true. seat and just be there while you drive. Unless they want to drive as well, which is cool. The other thing is this is not an exotic car experience trip. <laughs> That's true. The cars that come, yes. you can you can upgrade to craziness. You this is a riding to, lawnmower trip. You ride a skateboard, <laughs> yes. and you move up to the lawnmower. Yes. Then yes. you might get. You but, know, the, I mean, you uh, can Renault you can Clio pay that. extra money above the base price <laughs> to get into crazy things. But most people that do the base cars find themselves exhausted and challenged. Yeah, but luckily on yep. road tour day we bring a lot of crazy stuff, so you'll get some crazy time in some some stuff. But. You just want to go on whatever you can. It's the ring. I mean, you're right. Riding lawnmower does work. We start with skateboards. Guys, come on the pilgrimage with us. And then those other two U.S. adventures are on there. And then in, what, a week, the Utah Adventure signups will open? Utah Adventure's about correct? to open up. There. We've got 20 spots available for Utah. Yeah. And then we'll have 20 available for Rocky Mountain, which is opening in a few weeks. But again, Utah is coming up soon. So we would love to have you guys with us. If you're considering it all, you can go now, which is really cool. I'm going to start with Jordan's question because I've been thinking about this. Did we catch Super Bowl commercials? Did you catch any Super Car Bowl commercials? I didn't see the whole thought, thing. I, I, I saw the last quarter. I'm all, well, but I'm also the guy that goes the day after and watches all the Super Bowl commercials. Oh, did you? The people okay. that post the compilations. I liked the movie ones. That's how geeky I was. Well, of course. I think yeah. the, yeah. Um, the, the GM uh, Will Ferrell EV commercial was funny. I saw one of the first ones. I just don't know why that needs to be a thing where GM needs to partner with Netflix to make sure that GM EV products are in. The, I, I know it's the new All world. the brands need to yes. sync uh-huh. up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's happened. That, so there was that. But I just, I loved all the movie ads and the movie ads were interesting this year. Sorry, movie geek, because they were 30 second cut downs teasing you a little bit to tell you to go watch the full trailer online, which of course is exactly what I did. And that was much better that way. Yeah. <laughs> of course you did. Have you noticed the Ram 1500 REV electric truck. I just want you to observe mm. the photos of where it's at for all the, the press release photos. Mm-hmm. It's sparkling clean in the driveway of a very contemporary, very modern home. Yes. yes. Whoever owns the home probably wouldn't ever need a pickup truck because maybe not. You get things dirty, unless you just like pickup trucks. But otherwise, if you have a truck, it's still a truck. EV or not, it's still a pickup truck. Now, that may be the best car commercial of the Super Bowl. Did you see this? It's premature electrification. Yeah. Which was hysterical. And I have to actually (laughs) give a shout out to all of the actors in that commercial who sold it so subtly and so well. The gag keeps playing because the actors keep playing it masterfully. However, I do think there's some funny irony in that commercial. Okay. All right. Because Dodge is saying, don't go electric before all of the stuff to make electric works exists. I get that. I actually exactly. agree with that. But in the voiceover, they actually say, essentially, that the stuff you need isn't here yet, but we're working on it. They don't say it like that, but that's what they say. That was the implication. And I was yeah. like, but okay, 
funny commercial, but it'd be funnier if this isn't coming out for another year. Yeah, it'd be funnier least. if you actually had the problem solved and then did this commercial. But anyway, these are the problems. Yeah. Guys, thank you for writing your location. It's fun to see where everybody is yeah, located. For We're sure. seeing Andre in Westlake Village, California. I used to work out that way in uh, Westlake Village uh, when I was doing uh, design work. So pretty cool. Let's see. What have we got? Driving Psyche says, why is there a Volvo C40 recharge when there's a Polestar <laughs> 2 from the same parent company with better specs for less money? Because we have to milk all the flavors mm-hmm. out of that mm-hmm. chassis. Yep. That's yep. also the uh, uh, Lincoln Co. variants mm, you're right. of, of yeah. the same. I mean, it's Geely is the platform, really. So we've got to make Polestar and Volvo and Lincoln Co. variants. And we've got to milk all the things because most buyers don't really know. They just think it's a model from their favorite brand. And yeah, they don't leave money on the table that way. Yeah. Most people have no idea that there, there are other places, which is interesting. Uh, John is asking about Stinger. Or G70 all-wheel drive, which would we choose and why V6? It really comes down to how much space you need. Because if you actually need usable back seat space stinger, yeah, good back yeah, seat, good hatch. If back seat space is like a eh, little kids or you know not really all that important or don't use it that much, the Genesis is better to drive because it's smaller with a smaller wheelbase. Agreed. I uh, absolutely. Let's see. Steve M is seeing nine eight one boxers and a Cayman or two showing up now for twenty five to thirty thousand dollars. Are these now the go to number one fun car to buy for under thirty k? Mm. Well, they always have been. <laughs> yes, is the answer. Okay. I, if you have interest and you haven't driven one yet, I highly recommend. But yeah, I, I like that the prices are coming down across the board. We're starting to see that. Not in every case, not every car, but generally speaking, we've gotten as I've said before the. Guys, your videos don't match the market mm-hmm. anymore. Well, that was the COVID surge for a while. Now we're th- seeing things come back down, boxers and Caymans included. So that is yeah. good news. And yeah, I I really highly recommend them. They're, they're does, definitely a go-to. It does feel like the worst is behind us. And I really hope that is the case. It would be really nice if that is. There's been a couple Fast X questions. <laughs> I saw the trailer. I watched the trailer. Have you seen the whole trailer? Not just the Super Bowl thing. Have you seen like the big? No, I guess okay, I haven't. Random side note that I don't know why this is still a thing. But Yikes. when I used to work in the film industry, the limit for a trailer was two and a half minutes. Okay. But then every studio got one exemption a year where they could make it kind of three and a half or four. Now, I don't know why they're still okay. adhering to this, but in general, they are. <laughs> but what was interesting is I'm watching the Fast X trailer and I'm going, this is an enormous. It's, it's almost four minutes long. And, I, and I'm watching I guess it. I've just seen the short one. I'm watching it going, I feel like every one of the major, oh my gosh, I can't believe that stunt shots, is in the trailer. Doesn't that just kind of give the whole There's There's two sides of the equation. The, the storyteller in me says, save that stuff. The marketing person says, we have to tell them exactly what they're getting. They just need to see this again on a bigger screen with right, more sound. Right. So I, I cannot believe it exists. I think it is hysterical. How come Space Fiera wasn't in the last one then? I mean, they alluded to it, I, but you didn't see it like float mm, through the frame. Come I on. agree with you. And, and I'm sorry that show Space Fiera is not back. If, if Space Fiera show is back, it, it should have been in the trailer. But yes. Jason Moma, you know what Jason Moma is? He's the other Vin Diesel-sized guy in Hollywood. That's true. We already used up The Rock. The Rock has come and gone in the series. We have to get... So, and, and then, so what did we use last time? John Cena. That's true. So now we're... Who, with in it. Go, yes, and now he's in this one because now he's part of the family. Aquaman right. fights so the now, family. Aquaman so now, drives the who else is roughly car? these guys' size? Well, Jason Moma, of course. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, our, so that's all right. So, uh-huh. so yeah, that's he's, going on. he's the angry villain. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Vehicle Nanny says, what is the best new cheap sports car? GT86 mm. versus Camaro 2.0 versus Mustang EcoBoost. It sounds like you want us to do a film on that. But, you know, it comes down to taste at that point. And we have lived one year with our GR86. Yeah. And the wrap-up video is coming out this week. As a matter of fact, on Thursday, we're planning to, to kind of do the best and worst. It's during the winter driving because it's still winter here in Park City, Utah. Yeah, big time. But we're, we're looking at that as, wow, you know, we've had it a full year. We've done all these things with it. But I feel like 
I guess I'm I'm in this category. I'm leaning Mustang just because I prefer Are you really? the the EcoBoost over the GT86 because of the power. This is GT86, huh. not GR86. If that oh. were GR86, oh, okay. All right. I would have switched my switched I see my what answer. you're doing. You're right. I didn't read it that clearly. You're right. Okay, with that, yeah, I see the power being a thing. It honestly, vehicle nanny comes down to what are the things that connect with you as a driver for sure. For because sure. again, I had a first gen. I had an FRS, and yes, it was underpowered. There's no question compared to those two turbos, definitely underpowered at every every turn however at every turn the frs is lighter feeling and i <laughs> yes. like light cars For i'm sure. not as worried about power as i am about how it feels behind the wheel and i really love that first gen so i would pick that but i think the average person especially if you're not driving back roads very much you're right you would feel disappointed by that power much more regularly and so the camaro and the mustang start to rise which is interesting Andrew P. asks us to go over the GR86 brake upgrade in brief. We're looking to do a similar upgrade on the 86. And yeah, thank you for supporting the show. We did the Castrol SRF brake fluid. Uh, that was in the lines for our track use. But PowerStop sent us the Z36 kit. And then after they after we had that installed, we took those pads out. We, we didn't drive them very long, yeah, so the rotors yeah. were still brand new. They sent us their brand new race pads that had just been made available. Mm-hmm. So we combined the race pads with the Z36 rotors and the Castrol SR, SRF fluid for our track time. That was against the Cayman S video that we did. And so that transformed the car. But honestly, I, I will tell you this. Andrew, just doing the brake upgrade transformed the feel of the pedal and the confidence. That really did. Before we even went to track pads, it was really nice. Yep. Uh, You see Jonathan is kind of calling me out here. His girlfriend would like me to explain, (laughs) dripping with sarcasm, would like me to explain why a plain silver sedan is the best car, whereas he does prefer bright cars. See, sit at a stoplight. I'm, I'm going to try to be calm. Explain. Sit sit at a a stoplight. Like Just pick a stoplight. Any city in America, sit at a stoplight. And take a minute and count how many cars are monochromatic. White, silver, gray, black. Because if you're sitting in a car of color, you may be the only one at the stoplight. And, and here's the other thing about it. The other thing that might actually be a color is probably somebody's big pickup. Like, I bought the TRD Pro in the, orange. The orange one, right. That's, that's the thing right. that's the color. So rarely are cars made in colors, and I feel like they are almost always better looking in colors. I realize it's my personal preference, but let me put it this way. When a car is unpainted, what color is it? <clears throat> Silver or gray. This shows a complete, utter lack of imagination. Put a color on. And you can't do white because white is, to your point, body on white. It's that's- body on white. It's when you buy a blank canvas. hmm at the store it and comes you start white. to paint or you gesso your own canvas, <laughs> guess what you start with? When you start with no words and you're a screenwriter yes. and you have a blink, blink, blink. <laughs> blank sheet of digital paper. Print that book out. White. Guess what? White. Mm-hmm. Silver. I will go with there's some lovely shades of silver that I do uh, like. You not are all silvers. I am not, but yes. But mm-hmm. I am full agreement. No white. Some silvers and the rest all colors. Yes. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Apollo Andrade is asking if the FL5 Type R is worth the price premium over the FK8. So essentially you're asking, is the brand 11th generation the brand better than one. the 10th generation, yep. the brand new yep. one? That price premium, besides the softer styling, is it that much better? We do like the space, just the Civic, the car alone, the mm-hmm. backseat space is very impressive. And you would think that every iteration, car manufacturers try to tighten things up or address things that were good but could be better and you know they could be better we noticed that's what happened with the 11th gen civic type r everything that we liked about it seemed to be magnified Mm. slightly but it was still noticeable enough for us to like it better and we have praised the 10th generation civic type r it's an excellent car but of course can you get one the price premium will vary because of dealer markup we still can't control that it's a problem but Yes is the answer, but it depends on what price premium you're you're able to get. And the tires on the new one are an inch wider. They're cheater tires. They're an inch wider. It's a the car stance. is wider with a, with a bigger stance, which changes things a little bit. But I would yeah. also say this: it's one of those things. Like when we drove generations of the Cayman back to back, your shirt reminded me, and that is 
If you didn't have them back to back, would you notice? Probably not. Fair. You'd probably have Fair. an amazing yeah. time either way, though I do suspect back to back that the new one we would like a little bit better. But you, I mean, cheater tires for one thing. But anyway. Let's see. Trogdar, if you have tools for the job, appliance CV, what should you look for in a tire? No snow in California. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to weigh your activities because there is a lot of good skiing in California. Are you going to be doing more (laughs) of the hiking off-road summer activities? Are you going to be going up to the Sierra Nevadas because there's a lot of snow? As a matter of fact, sometimes they ask you to chain up even if you've got winter tires. So you do have to weigh that against your all year round activities. But generally speaking, an all weather tire will do just fine. All seasons are what most people drive on and they're yeah, fine with it, especially, especially in California. California. Yeah. But, but if you want to, you can go for a little bit of a performance edge. Just kind of depends. I mean, we've got a friend locally, his minivan, mm-hmm. the old minivan. He put PS4s on it. <laughs> and really nice coilovers. everyone. Yes, he has a good day for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, Apollo's back saying, I think it's probably for you, Paul, Porsche budget up to $90,000 to be used as a second car. No back seats needed. Which Porsche would you buy? Who can you talk to to get yourself a GT4 RS for 90 grand? That's the actual I, answer. I think beyond that, it's probably just need GT4 one. or Spider. In K- yeah, in K- and K- I'm not a convertible guy. Yeah. I mean, it fries the top of my head. I have the top up anyway. So I, I like Cayman's. I like the style. I, I like that hard line over the roof line. So I would probably choose Cayman, but the GT4 RS, you know, as a matter of fact, I was having a conversation with our friend, Ted, who comes with us mm-hmm. on the pilgrimage every year. And Ted is, you know, pro-am at this point. He's, he's edging <laughs> yeah. t- more towards pro in his driving skill. He's, he's driven anything. a couple times. He's been around the ring at least once. Yeah, We uh-huh. had this discussion yeah. about GT4 because he owns one, a 981 yeah. GT4, yeah. and then we all drove the GT4 RS. And he loved the GT4 for its comparison to a Miata. He can extract 100% mm. out mm. of his car and know exactly where those lines are. The GT4 RS, the limits are that it's much higher. And it's, yeah. okay, I need to... Suck it up now. I need to learn more, do better, go faster. You know, I still really want one. I must have one, but, you know, to each their own, right? Uh, I'm going to come back to Oliver's really good question about automatics, but I have to acknowledge real quick, just a little window into my private life. My wife surfaced (laughs) when I talked about no monochromatic cars with Porsche chalk with exclamation points because she was in love with Porsche chalk, Mm -hmm. and I do not get it. But I mean, honestly, she, I think I she, don't get it. I think she would paint any car Porsche chalk. So I love you, babe. But yeah, we're still, I'm still not getting that. Anyway, I'm going to come back to Oliver who has said he hasn't driven very many good automatics. What are some good automatic vehicles at 25 to 30 K that give manuals a good run for their money? Two things happening here. First off, Oliver, if you like the engagement of a manual, there are no automatics that compete. Full stop. Mm. If you just like mm-hmm. to have that foot busy, to have the hand doing stuff, if that's what you like, there is no automatic where you're like, well, I, I don't even miss because those two limbs aren't doing anything anymore. So if you want that, there <laughs> is no automatic that takes that place. Right, Having right. said that, find something with a ZF8 speed, which is a lot of things. Audi's done great ones. Uh, Chrysler's done great stuff. They're, they're a Charger and Challenger do the ZF. Yeah, uh, the yeah. Alfa Romeo Giulia is the 8-speed uh, ZF, and it's one of the best ones out there. So find somebody that has taken the 8-speed ZF automatic and made that the transmission because those are great. I'm getting called out from Mr. Kid 37 because one of the last questions only podcasts, he asked if the increased with the increased popularity of F1 in the US, if one of the US OEMs would get involved, would it increase in popularity? I said no, apparently. So he's calling <laughs> me out. I'm glad to be Ford. wrong. We always okay. liked when we're wrong. I mean, here's Cadillac part- partnering up with Andretti and hopefully entering. I, I would mm-hmm. love to see that. It's my understanding that Alpha is getting out after this season, I think. They're all done as far as the brand, of course, Ferrari powered, but still Alpha's mm-hmm. getting out. And then, yeah, let's see if we can get Andretti and GM in there. And I think that Ford saw that news announcement and kind of went, huh, do we have a pile of cash somewhere? So, where, can we, where can we bird cash? What are they doing again? Yeah. We should get our name back in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who do we know? Anybody have the phone number for pick a team? <laughs> Andrew Licious says, what do you consider heavy for a sports car? Uh, This is a fighting words thing because what's happening is all cars are getting heavier Mm -hmm. and there's plenty of stuff that drives really, really well that is going to break what I'm about to say. So it's not that it can't be fun, 
But I'm a guy that likes my Lotus Elise, which weighs 2,000 pounds, just under, technically, without a driver. The Miata weighs 2,400. The GR86 weighs 2,700. I typically like cars under 3,000, okay? I think above 3,300, maybe 3,400. Why is this sports car this heavy? I mean, we're talking new tech that yes. goes in. People yes. want their tech mm-hmm. and safety regulations, and yep. manufacturers have to respond to that mm-hmm. by adding tech. Hopefully, it's lighter weight, but some of the emerging technologies come with bundles of wiring, and they add to the wiring harness. And Batteries and other craziness, yeah. All the stuff mm-hmm. in the car. Yeah, so for that, sure. I see why it happens. Yeah. I've seen it. Dawson J is saying hello from Buffalo, New York. Dawson, appreciate you jumping on. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Let's see. Jordan uh, said he broke down in Boulder while driving Brian's questionable decisions Ferrari. Do we have any embarrassing breakdown stories? I want to drive Brian's Ferrari, by the way. Yeah, I want to drive that that car. Uh We got to get a hold of him. Well, we kind of expected them on our Cars of the Past series. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a small way, we didn't want them to be catastrophic, but just enough for drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you had a little bit of drama on the third the, video. The North trip was drama for sure. And, and, and here's the thing about it. It's actually, it's, it's not played up. Now, it's because it has a sense of unknown, There's I go around with a big question mark over my head for about 15 minutes in the piece because it yeah. could go really wrong. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it was just this total curveball that we actually solve in the, in the South when we actually tell you what's going on there, which is helpful. But um, we I got the 928 out this weekend. Good. She fired right up. I love that. It was great. The still has the transmission issues, but you know, I was hoping they just magically disappeared, but still that didn't happen still. So. Yeah, that happens. I mean, we, we didn't have any of those big breakdowns. Thank God. But you know what? There was a really funny comment this weekend on, I think it was the North trip that I just laughed about. And that was some guy was saying, well, of course these guys could, took this trip because look, they've got a helicopter and a huge support crew. So they got nothing to worry about. That was like, what? A helicopter? Like, we have a drone and three of us. I don't know what you... Th- I mean, thank you. And by helicopter, yes, you yeah, mean yeah. drone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank, I'm, I'm glad you think that that's what's going on, but I'll tell you, buddy, it was... Yeah, none of us, but anyway, there was, yeah. Uh, there was some puckering going on, for sure, in some places. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Seal forever. Can you talk about the importance of tires? How long do you have? I mean, I've, <laughs> I've bored people plenty on tires. The, the reality is this, that we typically... And I have been here. I was this person... Okay, when I was like rolling quarters for gas, it was definitely this person. You go into the tire shop and you just say, what's on the car now? What's kind of like what's on the car now with the longest possible warranty that I can maybe afford? What's the cheapest version of what I currently have? That's the way many of us buy tires, and I have been there. The problem is you end up buying the one-size-fits-all shirt. Technically, you're covered. Doesn't really work well. Doesn't look good. Doesn't work well. Couldn't be what it should be. Um the thing is, there are so many tires options out there. You have to figure out what you're using tires for. We already answered one about uh, CUV tires. But um, if you are a person that drives in snow, you need winter tires or all weathers, full stop. It has to have the triple peak snow rating to drive in snow. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> the all seasons will not work. Your all-wheel drive will not save you. If you're a person that wants to drive hard on track or on a, on a canyon, you can drive that on any tires. For sure. Yeah. Your level of enjoyment <laughs> and your level of feeling like you're murdering the tires goes up as you spend more money. Right. The level of your tires enjoyment goes down yes. if you're on the wrong tire. Yes, for sure. And, and tire doesn't like you that know, We just did that uh, Cayman um, 86 piece yeah, came on the track here. Yeah, yeah with the super sticky Bridgestone track mm-hmm. tires, and they were brilliant. But I know having had super sticky track tires on my Lotus, they go away quick, yeah. and they cost a lot. So what's your, what's your equation there? Seth Kay asks if a forerunner will get him up Little Cottonwood Canyon in mid-March, planning on skiing Alta with his son in spring break. The bumper stickers around Deer Valley say, no one cares, you ski Alta. Just saying. <laughs> they do because there's a ton of bumper stickers around that say, Alta, as if it's the end all exactly. be all. Yeah, uh-huh. But still, Alta is a great place to ski. But if they close the canyon or you're sitting waiting to go up, do not peel off out of the line and go to the 7-Eleven to use the bathroom. Because if you get out of line, you're screwed to get mm-hmm. back in. So plan ahead, <laughs> plan accordingly. Yeah, It's only one way in and one way out. But then, you know, skiing is really great. So keep that in mind. There's also a question about designing your ideal three-car garage from Sprat Books. Must have one practical car, one dedicated sports car, and one wild card. Mm. Mm. I'm going to do that for Italian cars. Oh, wow. Because I was just thinking how much I really like the Maserati Gran Turismo. Apparently, the drive happened. (laughs) I didn't get an invitation. All right. Kind of bummed. All right. 
the the Fulgore is happening. That is the all EV version of that car, but just the GT. You realize it has the engine, the Netuno engine out of the MC20 stuffed into that car. It's very large, but it is a coupe designed to carry four people genuinely in the back seat. So it's a large car. So that's Mm -hmm. my wild card. I really actually do like the styling because you can see vintage Maserati in the grill. That front stands really proud, a little bit too proud, and it really harkens back to those Maserati race cars, the Fangio area. So that's my wild card. Then I would have a Ferrari Puro Sang for my SUV. Of course you would. And, of course you would. I like this. No one Ferrari is surprised. Is killing it. They didn't used to be killing it. And a 296 GTB because I really like the styling on that one too. So that's my Italian garage. Look at you. I'm quite Maserati. And then, you know, you say, which one do I take? The, the V12 or I guess the V6 <laughs> twin turbo. NN Face is writing in with a super chat. Thank you for that. Very generous. He's asking about, he said, years ago we helped him pick an A6. I'm glad. Now he's uh, trying to replace a G30. That's a BMW 540i. He wants something more special. He's got $40,000. You need to walk your way over to Alpha. For Romeo and look seriously at the Julia. Can you get a quadrifolio for that money? Sticking with Italy. No, can you get a quadrifolio for that money? Because that would be the brilliant one. But even the base Julia is you're, it's going to surprise you, and the, and you don't see very many, and they are fantastic to drive. It's one of those cars where it looks good, and you go, I hope it's good to drive, and you get it, and you go, Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not the Panamera problem where it's like that's not that great looking, but man, it's great to drive. The Alpha kills it. Margin could. Also drive, if you can get into a second-gen Panamera for 40, but I don't know that that's possible. You're probably on a first-gen, which is a bit of a bummer. But I think I think in special category, it's hard to beat the Alpha Julia. Let's see. Mercundan, I apologize if I have mispronounced your name. Really appreciate you being on with us. Shout out to you. Uh, Apollo Andrade asks about any updates on the Cayman GTS. Am I still considering a Cayman R911 or keeping Cayman? <laughs> and Todd, your thoughts on the Lotus Amira? We, we're not teasing anything necessarily, but we can't really speak too much about it because we're trying to figure out what things are new in the garage. I'm not alluding to anything necessarily. <laughs> sure. Money from heaven. Anyway, yeah. sorry, what? <laughs> Money is the biggest factor and yeah. availability of cars. So we, we have to really still figure that out. And car manufacturers are still kind of slammed. I mean, you think about the COVID shutdown was three years ago, kind of right yeah. now, well, yeah, yeah. in a month or so, but still, I think we're still feeling the effects of everybody's transition and slowdown. Development was obviously still happening. I had this conversation with Chance not too long ago and we thought, all right, you know, we're usually just buried in cars. It's a li- notice it's a little bit thinner. So definitely we're, we're still thinking about what, uh, what 2023 will bring. So I don't want to go too deep into that well, rabbit trail, but yeah, I mean, the truth is we don't know when we could get in the mirror. We are talking yeah. with Lotus and the ability to get in the mirror. They got load and, They've never had this before. Lotus got slammed with orders. They have more orders than they've ever had before. They have they to are, fulfill customer yes, orders right now. Yes. So our ability to even get in an Amira is pushed way back to a we're not sure. Mm-hmm. People that we know that have orders are on massive wait lists. I just want to drive yeah, one. Yeah, the people I am, with orders. Yes. I am fascinated about yeah. it because it's built on the chassis of the Evora, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. even though many journalists ignored it, started good. When it, when it first started, everybody was like, eh, what the, the Amora, they ignored Until it got like the 410, 400, 410 GT, and all of a sudden, journalists were like, wait a minute, this is a really good car. I'm like, yeah, yeah, welcome to the last decade. Yeah, the, the, but it kept getting chest, better, yeah, and they've taken yeah. it, and they've made the Amira. I, I can't wait. I'm very excited. When you remember a car that you're interested in, or you hear us debate a particular vehicle right here in the podcast, you need a way to search for it. Our friends at Autotempest.com focus their efforts where it's most important, helping you find great cars. Local, nationwide, big listings, or little ones. Or maybe you're the person all your friends talk to when they're car shopping. The folks at Auto Tempest rely on word of mouth too, and you'll give your friends the tool they need when you tell them about Auto Tempest. Autotempest.com slash everyday links you to nationwide listings from Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, so it enables you to search beyond the limited distances those sites generally support. So, when you're doing your drive homework... You're chasing the next family car or just browsing to feed the disease. Go to autotempest.com slash every day so they know that we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars. One search. What is the next full-length movie from MCC Now? Again, with the car availability. That's kind of what we're (laughs) up against. You're right. You're right. Many people have suggested the Mustang. And now that the 7th Gen is coming out. Could be cool. It could be very cool, but we're not hearing things until later in the year, like kind of past the summer driving season. We shall see. We're not quite sure yet, but uh, 
anything can happen, but we definitely want to include the newest generation in that. Thought about the Z car, but we're noodling some things. But again, that the priority is, of course, the trips now, since we're doing two U.S. trips instead of just one, mm-hmm. and still creating our films. And really, the comparisons are really where it's at. I mean, two-car films are important because we get the back-to-back, but mm-hmm. increasingly, I feel like three and, and even four-car films really tell a, a broader story for us. Agreed, and, and hopefully we can put the cars together. That We've always fought really hard to put more than one car on camera at a time, which is why, I mean, this test drive channel is just one car at a time because we were getting sent so much from manufacturers, mm-hmm. but our original channel, the actual Everyday Driver channel, has always been focused on comparisons. Of course, it's grown to comparisons plus long terms of our own cars. Mm-hmm. I would also say this. We have loved making these feature films, and I would love to make one again, but think about this. Last year, we're, well, we haven't released the fourth one yet, but last year we filmed four huge road trips. Each one of them was at least 45 minutes long. The second one and probably this one are both right in an hour or more. So we did the equivalent of two feature films last year. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, and we love those road trips, and you guys have responded well, thank you. In many ways, I think the road trips may start replacing and eclipsing the fact that we're doing these big, uh, big comparos, but the comparos are cool. I mean, something we're known for, and they're hard to put together, but man, we enjoy them. My brother-in-law, Daniel, just messaged me. He Uh-oh. is Saab guy, and he's watching right oh, now. Yes. He, okay, he yes. just said, since we're talking about Italian cars, can I bring back the stitching conversation that I had with a friend's dad? And oh, no. we were over at their house. And this friend of mine, he has – I am hoping this comes through because okay. he has a <laughs> Model Y, all right? Okay. And a few years ago, he placed a very early Tesla Cybertruck order, and he has hung on to it. So mm-hmm. – Elon, let's go ahead and get those built so we can review one of those. Sure. Nevertheless, Uh, his dad was there. And so we talked about all this. We were talking about (laughs) stitching. (laughs) You're going to try to land it anyway. Good job. Bravo. And we were talking about Italian stitching. And so I just, I was making him laugh with the, with the Italian stitching with my Italian accent. So there you go. (laughs) You're not going to do the accent. That's what he's really going for. I know. He's wanting the accent. I have to, I get a, get a passion about Mm. the Maserati before I really start talking about the stitching. Uh, Peter T. He's buying a rally art sport back. I had one of those engine blue. Uh, Okay. It really depends on how it was taken care of. I found out. Sorry. 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 I mean, I did. It, that's what happened. The, that's why we did one video on it, because the yeah. engine blew halfway through wintertime, and it shuffled off, and I lost money on it. But it went yeah. to an Evo master who turned it into his shop truck. Which but I can't he, believe. But he called me the day he got it off the truck, okay, with the engine done. And he, he told me a bunch of stuff about the car. Of course, I didn't know because, of course, he knows the cars like crazy. And he put it up on a lift and he's like, well, this is a, this, its second transmission and it's its third one of these. And so the crazy. question really becomes – now let me turn it around. I really liked it. I genuinely really liked it. The question is – he didn't. The question is what's its uh, provenance? What's its history? Mm-hmm. Because the problem is those – they only came with the dual-clutch transmission, which was notoriously fragile – Mm-hmm. And so that's why the one in my car had been swapped. So what is its history? And is its history something that you feel okay about? Because I thought they were very cool. Let's see. Oh, Andrew Licious is asking if we consider a Miata safe enough for a first car. He's 15 and we'll be getting getting one within a month. Yes, we do like it because despite it being small, you start to learn small car dynamics. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different thing than the path I took. I had a giant Jeep Grand Cherokee. Well, it's just, I guess it was just a Cherokee, but still it was huge. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. learn small car driving dynamics till later in life. And I appreciated those so much more. Plus, you're going to have to learn different kinds of driving skills, not just by virtue that it's a manual, if you get a manual Miata, mm-hmm. but by virtue of how small it is and the things that you need to do to plan ahead to avoid traffic or get ahead of it or let traffic get ahead of you or it's a very different driving experience. So congratulations. Totally. Well done. Well bought. And uh, you're going to love it. Yeah. If your parents are going for it, I think that's a fantastic choice. The problem is, and I say this as a parent, and I'm already having these conversations at home, there, there, there are two sides of the parenting discussion. Mm-hmm. You want your kid to be a good driver. You want your kid to be safe. And so when the parenting protective nature takes over, it's like, what's the biggest possible thing we can put them in? But I have been driving around kids put in the huge monster SUV and they can't drive it because they just, they, they don't have a sense of it, which I understand. Spatial awareness kind of thing. You've been too. driving five minutes mm-hmm. and you're driving a, a blimp. So yeah. I think having something small that you can learn is huge, but yes, you have to also be aware of the fact that you are the smallest thing on the road. Philip M. Hey, Philip, he is doing his own maintenance on his GR86 are keeping the receipts and records of his parts as are they gold as dealer records 
Yeah, they they absolutely are. Almost anything you can think of, but of course the major service. And are you taking it to a place regularly? You know, I'm guessing your Toyota dealer for that regular service. They will of course have all those records, but print those out and keep those easy to digitize things too, but just a nice thick binder of all those things, purchases. And if you really get into mileage, you can start to keep record of, uh, of your miles per gallon too. Uh, Neil is asking about Alfa Romeo reliability has heard good and bad. My take at this point is I think if you've ever considered a BMW, why not consider an Alfa? I mm-hmm. don't think there's any reason that it's a problem. Now, some of the Julias when they first came out had issues. Car and driver had a catastrophic one. There were two in the press fleet when we were driving them, and one of them at one point wouldn't start, and they didn't even know why. But then everyone we were ever given, everyone we've ever borrowed, we even turrowed a basement at one point, and we drove one on track, and they never even hiccuped. Something I heard from an owner that bought a first-year car is that that owner's conclusion was, because he chased Gremlins, that the original OEM battery was underpowered for the car's needs. He put a heavier-duty battery, battery in it, and all of his Gremlins went away. So I think at this point they've been out long enough. If you're considering a Julia, why not? If you're considering a 4C, the issues that I've ever heard with the 4C aren't it doesn't run. It's just <laughs> it doesn't drive as well as it should. Right. It's right. not a problem with reliability, though. By you know forty or fifty percent, still, <laughs> it's just not reliable. Should drive better. It it's just not reliable at the limit. It's a fantastic. <laughs> it's not back road anything at the cruise limits. car. But yeah. I drove. We talked about this before. I drove one on Spa at, for like half a day because you were like, "I'm done." I drove the same car on <laughs> Spa. You were like, "I'm done." Not and, happy. And I wanted to go out there and like figure it out. And I would go into the same corner as I did a lap ago, the same way as I did a lap ago, and it would do something different. And I was like, "Yeah, what?" That shouldn't happen. Like, here's the keys. Yeah. I'll go get in a Cayman now. But they're they're so good if you're not driving them at the limit. Hey, Mark Price is from Topeka, Kansas. There is a Ferrari Mondial for $33,000 for sale in St. Joe, Missouri. Whose is that? That $33,000. Yes to that. I mean, I don't have $33,000 right now. It's been dumped into the 928. But still, I would... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would buy the Mondial. But Mondials are the business... 20 years ago, I thought they were awful. I thought, why is this even deserving of a Ferrari badge? And then we drove one, thanks to our friends at Gria's Garage. My all about the mom grew up in St. Joe, Missouri. There I know. There's a Mondial for sale in St. Joe, Missouri. Somebody yes. in St. Joe, Missouri has a Mondial? They probably know who it is. I, that's crazy. And, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but they're going ha- to have to post that nationwide because nobody in St. Joe showed up and going, I want a Mondial. <laughs> that is the guy. How did right a Mondial there? make yeah. its way to St. Joe? I don't know. Pr- craziness. Weird. Let's Point see. to your favorite Porsche in the, in the photo behind you. We actually need to update this photo. Yeah, but, we do. Uh, if you've watched 50 Years of 9-11, I'm going there. 997 is my favorite for sure. Yeah, probably 993 for me, the black one over there. Yeah, I really like that car. Best daily driver that can also tow a car like a GR86 to the track. You know, the last when we were, we were at Coda, Circuit of the Americas, for our south trip, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we saw the thing that you only see at track days. And it was actually, after our event was a Porsche track day, and we saw the guy come through, Cayenne, towing GT3. The Cayenne is a phenomenal so to drive SUV and it's got a 7,000 so pound towing capacity. So that's up there. There are some of the BMW M versions of their SUVs. I mean, this is why those hot SUVs actually can be useful is because they can tow a car like that. Also, you can, if you want to get crazy, Ethan, can you find a really cool wagon with enough tow capacity to tow your track car? That's really throwing down there. I agree. Lawrence D says Ford offers free event days with purchase of a Mach 1, Charlotte, and the Bronco, the off-rodeo. Do we think other manufacturers will or should do events with the purchase of their enthusiast vehicles? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. you're seeing Toyota do this with a, a free NASA uh, pass yep. with uh, with their GR vehicles. Absolutely. I, I think that is a... a it's not the tipping point that makes you actually want to buy the car. You kind of knew it even after you drove it. You know totally. you want that car, but it is a nice thing that sweetens the deal. And what I like about that is it usually means you get to get, to get out there and use not your car. That's a great point. To go point. thrash on, yes. off-road, yes. on track, and you have a, a feeling like, okay, I can really push to the mm-hmm. limits of my mm-hmm. skill and the car and what the instructors are teaching you. I like that part a lot. And you can just go out there with with 
kind of worry-free. You're right. It, it is the best of all worlds because it's not like bring your car. It's like, yeah. we have your car. And my, yeah. Well, I just bought mm-hmm. my new car. It's not broken yeah. in yet. I yeah. don't want to thrash. I don't want to beat it up or whatever that is. You can use their cars, and that is a great thing. So I, I hope more manufacturers do this. I would, I would love to see that. But uh, yeah, Lotus does one out at our track. Uh, it's not necessarily for new cars, but they do have a driving experience. Ford is known for it. Toyota is known for it. Yep. I'd love to see more. Hal Bullock is saying, what's our most automotively irresponsible decision? That shirt's being worked on, by the way. Mandy and I talked about it this weekend. I Maserati. really, really that. <laughs> well, I was actually going to say the Phaeton. <laughs> Were you really? Which I, had, which I had a list of things that can and do go wrong on this car, and I went, purchase. I, I, I mean, love that you bought it, and what was it, a week and a half later? Yes. The front just collapsed. Because, well, here's what's it was cr- fine. Mm. Right up until you got it. Well, but and here's what's crazy is I bought it and I put it into the shop for essentially a post purchase inspection and it didn't make it out without the shocks failing. It went in fine, <laughs> fine, <laughs> and they put winter tires on it. Yeah, that was because it came from Florida. Of course it did. They put winter tires on it and we're doing a post purchase inspection and I went over to pick it up and it was sitting down, you know, neat like a kneeling oh, bus. Oh yeah, and I was like, I haven't. I literally drove it from my house to here. That's all I've done. And it was died already. And I knew it. I knew it. It was from from the the heat and humidity to cold and dry. Yes. The the first year Phaetons were known for suspension failure. Guess what? I got a first year (laughs) Phaeton and it had suspension failure. That was the the only good part of that story, Hal, is the fact that it was $5,000 and I knew it was for the show. But I then instantly spent half of that again just to get the nose off, (laughs) rubbing off the, oh, anyway. Let's see, G87M2, hot or not? I think so. I mean, now that prices are kind of coming down across the board, I I still like all the M2s. I really do. They're great. Beaker's Garage says, hey, from Kuwait. We had another one in here that said, hey, from Japan. Fantastic. That's just awesome. I've yeah, hey, happened. guys. It's so cool. Appreciate you jumping on. Let's see. Okay, drive, store, or modify. You see this from Josh? The, oh, you've got a whole lineup in here. The 96 Ferrari lineup, the 2001 BMW, or a 98 Honda Acura in, in that order, or his in that order. Oh, Storage. Oh, so you're just, you're just throwing out, figure that out. We've got to circle back to that one, I think. One, one year and make for each, Ferrari lineup, BMW, or Honda Acura. I have to cross-reference what was made those years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, do it off the top of my head. Anyway. See, Driving Profit says, top three luxury brands from Germany and also Japan with History of each brand, their philosophies and driving dynamics. How do each match up and why is Acura Japan's BMWs, Lexus, the Japanese Mercedes? I've always thought AMG is like Germany Chevy. They are. Like (laughs) those those guys are excited. But it might be the Hellcat engines, like AMG engines kind of matching up against the Stellantarians. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, that's good. It might be that because the the 2000s were just full of burnouts from all the AMG cars <laughs> like the interiors weren't that great the, the 2000s, nav system is the burnout decade i love it kind it's of good was. it's very the good the nav system wasn't that great we were kind of figuring that out the materials were okay the build quality was fine but have you seen the engine signature <laughs> of the person who built it just burnout so yeah i'm sticking with that even though well what's uh, what's the japanese version of that i i feel like Lexus hangs it out the most, even though okay. they're isolating from the driving experience by virtue of styling, because Lexus here looks crazy. Lexus in Japan looks like, what a boring car you drive. Congratulations on your nice executive uh, yeah. classy sedan. I see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, uh, yeah, Acura could be compared to BMW. I could see that. Mazda might be up there too, though. Benjamin Yost is asking relationship advice. I don't know if you saw this. <clears throat> he says, how do you have a car purchase discussion when your minister of finance doesn't want to talk about cars and is resistant to a two-car solution? <laughs> I'm going to Yikes. use the two metaphors I always use, and that is uh, you have more than one pair of shoes. You have, I mean, you don't buy a pair of shoes that does everything. You just don't, okay? There's that part of the equation. So if you are a person that likes cars and you, have a, you want to get a different car, now, please, you can't go buy... Honey, I want to get another SUV. You already have an SUV. That's a losing battle. If I want to get this other car, this is the two-seat convertible for whatever, they may not like it or understand it, but you can at least kind of connect the dots because we have dress shoes, we have workout shoes, we have walk-around-in shoes, you may have slippers, whatever your, your shoe thing is, there's that. There's also this part of the equation, and that is whatever your significant other spends money on, 
and buys multiple of. What is that? Now, the reality is, I don't care if it's figurines or movies or you know whatever it is, whatever they collect, it probably doesn't cost as much as a car. And that's the downside to this conversation. But you can have, step carefully, Benjamin, but you can have the conversation of you don't have to have others of the same thing. Paul has a lot of watches. He loves watches. I don't even wear one, okay? But, but everybody has their thing. So you can have that discussion and try to make an equivalency there and have a discussion about different tools for jobs and maybe get into a place where it's like, I would like to get this for this reason. Please step careful. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Caldrow asking for our greatest automotive influence in life. It didn't happen until a few years ago, and that is Paul Newman. He won his last race at age 80. He won Le Mans at age 70. You've heard me talk about Paul Newman. I mean, he was a philanthropist and race car driver that kind of screwed around with acting. You're right. That's a fair point. He wanted to be the race car driver for sure. Yeah, yeah. He, he is definitely. I, I mean, his philanthropy alone was in- incredible. It still has a lasting relationship. There's people now that are like, who's Paul Newman? I don't know. Like, <laughs> the race How car driver. You? Yeah, uh, that, there you, That's funny. That's what you should say in the story. Oh, like yeah. Aaron Galinsky is saying there's such a thing. This is great. If there's such a thing as too much car love. Will it stop him from being happy? He loves everything from Lotus to executive super sedans to Miatas to trucks to NSXs to, love this word, bell-ins like the Pope Mobile. Bell-end is a fantastic, that is funny. fantastic word. That's funny. Anyway, Aaron, yes, you, here, here's, here's the thing. You can like cars too much if it, you're impossible to satisfy. That is the issue. If you're a person who, and, and, and you can be this about anything, if you're a person who, whichever thing you have, now that you have it, you don't want it anymore and you only want that. If you have a car you really like and you can appreciate the things about that car that are good while looking outward and recognizing, oh, that's really cool and that's really cool. I think you're mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. If whatever you have is never good enough because what well, I don't have one of those, try to find that balance where the car you're driving, you can see the good stuff so that you can recognize the good stuff elsewhere and maybe you get another one of those. But otherwise, you're always chasing the thing that you don't have and you're never satisfied. And that is, well, frustrating and probably unhealthy. Did we talk about this already? Slow car, asking what enthusiast car is poised to decline in value? Didn't talk about that. For example, the E90 M3. I think MR2s are poised to decline in value. They already aren't very. You can get one for cheaper I, than I most Miatas. I don't think they're bottoming out and starting to go back up. I really don't. Mm. They're good. They're fun. I just don't think they're going back in value like Corvettes and Porsches and all the rest. I mean, the recipe is there. I just, those cars in particular, all three generations. Dasher 503 says, fun daily driver that will do light winter duty in the Pacific North, Northwest. He's considering a low miles Focus RS or wait and try to get a GR Corolla core or circuit at sticker price. He had an RS and misses it dearly, but the, the GR seems great. I think the... You could get a, a Focus RS right now. You could find somebody selling one. Now, the question is, is it stock? Because it probably isn't. That's the downside. The one that we found for our comparison happened to be stock, 100,000 miles. We were amazed at how well it drove for being a, I think it was a third owner car and 100,000 miles. That Focus was very impressive. Mm-hmm, he just mm-hmm. had a kind of a general yeah. refresh on it. It was awesome. 103,000 so or something. could yeah. go buy one of those right now that's been well taken care of, and you would have a great car right away with one problem. Man, they ride hard. So are yeah. you okay with yeah. that? Because the Corolla actually has options in the way that it rides, and I think overall rides better as a daily than the Focus RS does. But if you're okay with how the Focus RS rides, you know what you could do? I'm just throwing this out there. You could get a Focus RS now for save some money and wait two years and get a Corolla when all the freak out calms down. Because mm-hmm. I think the Corolla mm-hmm. is a worthy upgrade. I do. But it's difficult to say, yeah, run out and wait. Pay the market. Don't, don't pay markup. So – can you handle the ride of the Focus RS? That, to me, is the sticking point. Dylan Myers asking me, what is my favorite design language right now? Any brand under $100,000. Mercedes continues to be my favorite right now. I think they're designing with soft forms rather than hard edges like BMW. I like some BMWs, but generally speaking, I mean, and not even the front ends. I mean, we're just talking styling proportions alone. I really do like what Mercedes is doing, but they've been doing it a while now and they're, they're in a noticeable shift. I feel like there's some hard edge creeping into some, some newer cars that I'm seeing the, 
uh, spy photos of the AMG GT. I'm seeing a little bit of different. They're trying to make those forms a little bit less meat in the form and a little bit more taut kind of lines in there. So I'm kind of wondering where, where that is going. Audi is actually interesting to me. There's their concept cars have put out some interesting form language, which I'm intrigued by. <laughs> I love the we'll ease your way in. Yeah. <laughs> that wagon, that EV a six wagon mm-hmm. that they, yeah. the yeah, concept yeah. that they promoted was like, Oh my gosh, that thing's beautiful. I don't want it to go as far as Volvo has gone though, where it's clinical and sterile and, and so perfect that it's, where's the fun? Where's the sloppy it up a little bit, you know, have something, some kind of frivolity in the design. So I, I don't want it to take it that far, I guess, but, uh, but yeah, I guess European styling right now. I mean, I feel like the American styling is appropriate mm, for mm. where they're going for EVs. The Cadillac Lyric is handsome and mm-hmm. interesting. I can't say I'm in love with it, but it is appropriate. How disappointed are you by the uh, the Ram pickup truck concept and then the actual one they released a week later? The concept Very. looked really cool. And yes. then they released one that looks essentially like their current Ram with different uh, front and end. There was a budget discussion Oh, yeah. And things had to be pulled way back. I like that they let themselves be really blue sky. Of course, that's what every concept does. But still, push it more. I mean, I feel like the designers always lose the fight. And that's just how things are. When are we going to win one? <laughs> like, when do we win? Apple is the only company. Okay. All right. All right. The designers drive the design. They tell the engineers, it has to be this thin. If it's not this thin, go away and come back. This is the envelope you have. Make all the stuff fit and then come back and we'll you know, make it run. Mm. That is, to my knowledge, the mm. only company that makes design first. Here's the car. Go put all the stuff inside it and we'll make that. When do we... When are we going to win one? <laughs> when do we win? Okay, Maserati. I like what Maserati is doing right now. They're, okay. they're another one, but they're not. I mean, some of them are just slightly under 100 grand. Yikes. MK says, always wanting to improve my driving skills. Sometimes the desire makes me struggle. One day I thought about how I move my arms, fingers, and legs, and that makes me panicked. Has the same thing happened to us? A couple things I want to say here. First off, if you can't at all, at all, please go to a track-based driving event. Mm -hmm. Get in a beginner group and ride with an instructor because... It's a, it's a whole body thinking, and, and I think if you end up are just focusing on little things, you, you may freak yourself out. And then I will say the biggest thing, and I, I literally say this out loud to myself in a car on track regularly and sometimes on back roads, it's eyes. Your, your body, mm. once you learn, and this, I'm going off track here, but once you as a toddler learn enough about your body to stand up and walk, mm-hmm. from that point forward, your eyes are taking in so much information that the rest of your body is processing to naturally do what your brain is trying to get it to do. And you're not thinking about, wait, get this leg around. It's just doing. And it's amazing how that tracks through so many other things, any sport you can name, shooting, skiing, uh, but especially driving. And we're not taught that eyes matter when we drive. But if you take any track driving, you learn it instantly. And I am always amazed on ramps, randomly driving, especially on canyons and always on track. If I worry about, are my eyes up? Am I taking things in around the corner? Am I looking through stuff? Mm -hmm, The whole mm -hmm. rest of my body calms down, gets better, more focused, slower, and I become a better driver. So my number one recommendation to you, I know you're not surprised out of that rant, is eyes. Speed of rant, Tom Z is calling me out, saying Uh I would be surprised to know that design wins quite frequently at GM and FCA. And also, uh, the studio always won when he was working in seats at FCA. Hmm. Glad to hear it, but we can have this conversation sometime when we meet in person. <laughs> Yikes. Did the Stellantarians, did the design win, did that RAM concept, it, it really looks like that new front end on a 1500 that you can buy right now. First glance. Mm. There's other things. Did the Corvette designers really win, or is that the most compromised car ever designed? In a good way. Mm-hmm. Did GM actually build a Ford Bronco competitor called the Blazer, or is it just another SUV with the Blazer name? Sure. Yeah, yeah. We can argue this, but still, (laughs) thank you for listening. Thank you for writing. I love it. I really appreciate it. I love that it keeps going. always fighting words. It's really fun. it's always personal, Mm -hmm. and and clearly Tom has experience, so I I really appreciate that. 
Yes, Devin is re- recommending autocross, and I totally agree. You can do autocross for much cheaper than a track day, and all of the same rules apply. So there's nothing wrong with autocross as an alternative. I 100% agree with that because the other thing about autocross is you keep your speeds down, and if you are new to performance driving, an autocross will almost make you sick mm-hmm. because you haven't felt a car do those sensations yeah, before. For sure. So that's a big thing for sure. I for totally sure. agree with that. Let's see. Subject 911 does Chance think he is the house photographer for Spa? Jamie Price doesn't <laughs> think so. Wow. Well, he's done a great job, and Chance has amazing, amazing photography and composition. It's uh, yeah, composition, color, of course, but he's got a great eye, and then he does that uh, in video for us too. Where have we had the most fun in karting? And I saw that question. And also, what percentage from Anthony, what percentage of fun is karting versus a normal track day? Uh, does the massive cost savings add to the enjoyment? Look, the great thing about karting is the fact that you can grab a bunch of buddies, you can do it, and it feels completely no stress. And you're not tearing up anything, and the costs are a lot less. There is not a single thing wrong with karting, and all. I mean, look at all the current F1 drivers. They all started out in carts. Okay, yeah, they all they, did. They're still sharp. So yeah. the, all of the skills track. And the thing is, if you go to a competitive kart, kart weekend, it's not a bunch of kids out there. It's a bunch of guys that wish they were F1 drivers that are now middle-aged and they can afford a cart, and it is competitive, and those guys are good drivers. So all of that plays if you want to do that. There's not a single thing wrong with karting. The problem with karting compared to a normal track day is often if you do the indoor ones, the track is tiny. So if the track's got any room to run, we've got a really good track out at our local racetrack, a really good karting track out there that's actually got some space. If you've got any room to run, karting is 100%. Love it. Let's see. McCundan asks if there's any cars whose sum of the parts is better than the whole. And any cars that are better than the sum of their parts. Kind of the same thing there. Really, it really comes down to BMWs. I feel like Mm. a lot of those, uh, well, the E46 M3 is parts. That thing is a magical car to drive. It is good. It is good. The but, 1M. See, I think the 1M su- supersedes it. I think I think the E46 drives like the hype suggests that it will, even though I think the hype may be a little beyond it now. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Y- you hear all the, oh, okay, so this is from the best era of BMW, and it's got the straight six, and it's got hydraulic steering, and it's got that cool styling. And, and you get in and you go, yeah, okay, all right. Whereas the 1M is a Frankenstein car, and you get in and go, how did this get this good? It feels like it elevates itself beyond it. But I like being in BMW, though. It's good. Uh, I love Dak 101 asks, would a Genesis G70 fit rear-facing car seats, or does the G80 have enough sport to be fun to drive? It does. It definitely does. But How those, big are you? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, I love that people are jumping on to, to help you out, Dak. This is excellent. The G70, I think, will, but that uh, front passenger seat will probably be moved forward a bit. Depends on how tall you are, how big the seat in the back is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. A, a for lot sure, of yeah. things there. The G80 certainly will fit, but Absolutely. I don't feel like anything about the G80 is very sporty. It's sure. not. I mean, it's it's competing with the big, you know, the, the A8 and the 7 Series. It's mm-hmm. aiming for those guys. So yeah. it's, its first purpose is not to be fun to drive, whereas the G70 is very fun to drive. If you weren't trees like us, then yeah, you could probably get a rear-facing child seat in there. I don't think you could get two in there. I think your passenger is going to have to be bumped up a little bit, but it really depends on your size. 86 Monty asks if I'm excited for the 911 in the new Transformers movie. There's a 911 in the new Transformers movie? Uh, yeah, classic 911. That, that, that's the main thing they're leaning on. The, the character's name is Mirage, apparently. Okay. And it can project other versions of itself and compl- confuse police cars. Yes, I've seen this much of the movie. Does it just have in a G50 trailer. transmission? I, it, who cares? Because mainly it's driving itself. That's the key thing. <laughs> of course it it's is. It's driving itself, and I, the guy is yes. screaming out of the passenger seat, I mean, I'm the driver's totally seat that he's excited. not driving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally oh. excited. Yes, yeah. I can't wait. Holy moly. Can't believe Best national park for driving in. Eric, I will tell you this. Zion is gorgeous and terrible to drive in. Most national parks. Seriously. <laughs> Zion wants you to park and get on a bus. And, and if you drive through, you're That's driving true. through at practically walking pace. It's gorgeous, but there is no fun driving to be had. Yosemite Valley is the same, actually. Yosemite Valley is spectacular to drive in. Uh from a visual standpoint, but terrible from a driver's standpoint. Most of the really busy national parks are not fun to drive in. What's interesting is sometimes the national forest, Yosemite is this way, the national forest outside the national park is spectacular Mm -hmm. because you haven't gotten into the, oh, look at that and this overlook and all the stuff that slows everybody Because people are just going to be like... Totally. I will say the best, and I don't even know how you do this now because they've changed Yosemite Valley since this happened, but the best time I ever had in Yosemite Valley scenery-wise... Our buddy Nathan, 
mm-hmm. used to have a Ford Ranger, the old Ford Ranger, and he brought it up to Yosemite Valley once. And we took turns. I don't know that I recommend this, but it was very fun. We took turns lying down in the bed of the pickup, lying on your back, putting all your limbs out so you were kind of braced. So all your vision was straight up and then drive through the valley. That's crazy. And it was amazing to take the valley in that because the walls are so high. But, of course, it's not like we're hooning. We're driving along at walking pace. It was fun for the person in the back. Anthony G. says, should there be a limit on the amount of horsepower able to be driven on the road? Does anyone need a 1,000 horsepower electric vehicle? Would such a restriction actually lead to extra fun cars in production? I suppose not. But here we've got a lot of current cars that are 350 horsepower and under that are manuals, and they're a lot of fun. Front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. There's a lot of them out there. I think people tend to associate horsepower with more fun. Mm -hmm. That's the default. More horsepower is more fun. I'm not saying it's not. (laughs) You feel that way much more strongly than I do, but I I take your point. I do love more power, but there's definitely a tipping, tipping point for me. That GT86 just didn't have enough. The chassis can clearly handle more. It was version 1.0. But you've been satisfied by the GR86. Exactly. And it hasn't been that much more. And still, 228 horsepower on paper looks like nothing. We're kidding. Why don't you try? Triple the amount of your horsepower. So it should be more fun. But there's, of course, a tipping point. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to see. We've discussed this before. And that is once manufacturers get a hold of smaller, lightweight fun cars that are EVs, Mm -hmm. what is that going to do to the dynamics? And how will they overcome because you can just get a whole bunch of horsepower out of a motor, of course. You can change the battery packs. You can you can extract good power out of those small cars, but then your sacrifice is, of course, weight. So what's the balance going to be? Whatever wins the drag race is the best vehicle. Right. No. Anyway, yeah, okay, right, moving on. <laughs> Any manufacturers developing... Sorry, I just have to answer this because I know it's going to make Paul cringe. Any manufacturers developing an electric car that isn't based on a skateboard platform? Well, you know, Canoe is developing one based on a skateboard, skateboard platform. Just Canoe. Mm. It's just it's a Tylenol pill down on wheels. It works. Mm. It's going to be great, yeah. Great car. <laughs> They're great. Yeah, I hope... Here's the thing. I think, Eric, that there will be manufacturers developing on bespoke platforms just to differentiate themselves, and I don't think it's happening yet, but I do think that the only way that people are going to be able to do sports cars that are fun on electric chassis is actually mm-hmm. kind of make them like Porsche makes a 911 and puts the weight in the rear still. That's the only way it's going to maintain niceness. Otherwise, we're going to have a sea of sameness. Mm-hmm. Greg Witherspoon asking, who offers a good driving school for manual transmissions? Something other than the basics. That's interesting. I mean, you're mm. asking really for heel and toe. It's funny because there's a lot of track days that it's just assumed that everybody can handle really quick heel and toe downshifts into hot corners. Mm. You know, I think that's something you'd probably have to request because I bet you any driving school will have particular instructors that are really kind of the experts in that field that could really break it down for you. But it's, you're going to have to really hunt that out because there's so many people with PDKs and DCTs and cars. They just, you know, you're quicker on track with an automatic or a dual clutch, but that art is so, so lost. You're, you're going to have to, whatever your driving school is near you, just, just uh, request that and Get into a conversation with him. Hal Bullock has thrown down a remarkably difficult track daily crush. At first I thought it was easy, but now I'm looking at it and I don't think it is. Mustang Mach 1, which we really like. Okay. Civic Type R, I'm going to assume the new one, which we really like. Yeah. And GR Super Manual, which we also really like. So you can't, here's the thing, Hal, you can't go wrong here. Two, we get to drive either a lot or a little. Track daily crush. I, hmm. I think the Super Manual would be my track car. I think if I had any family to consider, that would mean that the Civic Type R becomes the daily, and that means I unfortunately have to crush the Mach 1. But if we're not talking family, I think the Mach 1 would be the daily, and the GR Super Manual would be uh, the track car, and then the Civic gets crushed. But what what level of usability do we need? Because the thing that the Civic Type R does so well is it has u- good usability. Yeah, It loses for me because it's front-wheel drive. I mean, it's fin- fantastic front-wheel drive. Up, yeah. But the, the Mach 1 has the has the street attitude that the super doesn't, but the super manual is so good. It's so good. Let's see. Jeff C enjoys the Easter egg in our videos of the rotating state plates, depending on the shoot location. What is your favorite state plate design? Could be from standard specialty or legacy. I mean, we've got to go with the Utah skier, even though I have the arches on most of my tags, but still the Utah skier. I, when, when I made those plates, 
it says greatest snow on earth. And I totally missed an opportunity to just change <laughs> the greatest show on earth. <laughs> I totally yeah. missed that opportunity, yeah. but yes, uh, I, I mean, Utah for sure. But, uh, something with the, you know, interesting, not just a color and blank, but, uh, yeah. Uh, we've got a super chat just came through from D- VW iPhone is saying has a 13 Range Rover Sport 5.0 supercharged motor maybe blown. I'm not sure what the question is. That's my only problem there. I, I'm happy to talk about it. I just, I don't know if you're asking for what's next, mm-hmm. I, I, but we'd have to think about budget. Jordan then follows up is, is my, uh, my wife's Cayenne for sale. There is discussion about things trading out in the garage. And I will say this, I will say this, there will be things for sale this year. Uh, I am probably going to stay off of things like cars and bids and those kind of things. And I'm going to allow the folks on discord to fight over it unless nobody on discord wants them. So if you really want <laughs> mainly cause I just want to stay off those auction sites. If you really want to be in discussion about cars being sold, uh, probably should be on discord. Uh, v- VDB iPhone follows up, uh, just four questions down. Just got a Range Rover. Oh, okay. got it from a Range Rover dealership. Clean one owner, 89,000 mile had it for four days oh, on wow. extended warranty and they are fighting you on it. Uh, I mean, you may have oh, to because lawyer. your motor might be blown. You may have to lawyer up. I hate to say it, yeah, but, it, but be, if you, rough. if you have an extended warranty, and the motor blew within that range of time, that has to fall under the purview of the extended warranty. But now you have the problem, which is the thing I always struggle with in these situations. Do you want to get a lawyer? How much do you want to spend to chase this problem? But you're out money on the car. And so, yeah, the extended warranty should cover you there, but lawyers are going to be involved. Jeremy says, yes, use pink slips on Discord to sell your cars. <laughs> yes. I know it exists. I know it exists, and it keeps happening. And cars have traded hands on Discord as a result, which I think yeah, is fantastic. pretty awesome. So there will be garage swap outs happening there from, from me, for sure. Josh M says, chat GPT answered. 2022 Porsche 911 GT3 for the most analog driver's focused car available right now. Mm. Clearly, it has not not implemented a Paul limiter. <laughs> we are going to have to teach it well, the Paul limiter, aren't well, we? Well, no, hang on. Did you tell ChatGPT a price limit? That might not have happened. Because right, it right. is still a computer, and it only gives <laughs> spits out what you gave it. So there is that as well. But you know what? Uh, hmm. I, I also would argue that statement just because most analog... I think that answer only applies if we're talking new cars. Yeah. yeah. Can chat GPT think about used cars? Oh, Ooh, we shall see. Is it see. talking about most analog driver's car vault? See, I'm telling you, the <laughs> computer is not perfect, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're concluding. I like that your wife, Catherine, is trolling you on, uh, oh, yeah. on the live stream. That oh, yeah. For sure. fun to is. read. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. We're at the top of the hour, guys. Really appreciate all your questions. We're going to leave it there. And You're not going <laughs> to force me to answer? I have to answer that Okay, now. well, then yeah. go, go ahead. She said, she's, my wife is saying, track daily crush dad car. <laughs> oh. Oh. You're going to take this oh, on. Oh, I am going to take this on. Okay. Lotus Elise, Nissan 300ZX, or Jaguar E-Type. Track, daily crush. Well, track's easy. Lotus Elise is track car. Yeah. So uh, that means I'm left with a daily and a crush. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> the, the spouses always know how to push your buttons, don't they? Yeah, she's gone right for the jugular on this. Here's, mm, the problem is, I hate to say what I'm about to say. There's no problems. The right? problem is that, the E-Type is going to be a terrible daily. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Because it's it's going to need something constantly. And it's the most special And it's daily. the most special. And the seats only come to here. And so unfortunately, if we're talking track daily crush, I track the Lotus. I daily the 300ZX. And that means by process of elimination, I have to crush an E-Type, which horrifies me to my core. But Good you know, thing spouses are there to challenge all you. All theoretical. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we'll leave it there. Really appreciate you jumping on with us. Thank you. If you're listening, you haven't joined our live stream. We encourage you to jump on uh, next time and every 25 Mm -hmm. episode podcast episodes. We do this. Here's what's crazy is the next one is 800. Oh, that's right. Which is nutty. Oh, man. And at the 50 markers, we do all questions, no cars, which is Always really nuts. But thank yeah. you guys always for questions. Again, remember, we record a podcast on Mondays and Thursdays for releases on Tuesdays and Fridays. Wednesday is a podcast that is audio from our Test Drive channel. So right here from this channel, Test Drive Videos. And we're always looking for your questions. We appreciate the Discord interaction, which that's all our patrons. But we read every email. And you guys are amazing for being with us. We really greatly appreciate it. It's super, super fun. Our friend from Blipshift was just in town skiing mm-hmm. with his pals. And yep. we got to meet him. And... On Blipshift on our partner store right now is 186 
part two. It's, it's a really cool. A great shirt. Shirt. It's really awesome. So yeah. check that out. Support Blipshift. They support us. Really appreciate it, guys. We're looking forward to next time. Thank you, guys. Cheers, everyone. 